for any of our um, listeners that uh, or viewers even that are new, this is not how we normally do the show. <laughs> So Speaking is- of millennials, I'm doing a Snapchat takeover today. Okay. <laughs> All right, it's time for another episode of Grow the Dream today. Warning, something to offend everyone. Millennials, 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 and some other stuff. This show might actually be hate speech. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, we lose it on this episode. Kind of gets derailed. You, you gotta <laughs> lose listen. it. Uh, good stuff, though. <laughs> Starts right now. Welcome to the most indispensable show for people doing the hard work of growing your business. It's the marketing podcast by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Welcome to Grow the Dream. All right. Welcome to episode 70. 70. 70. Almost as old as <laughs> Of the Grow the Dream show. Woo-hoo. We are celebrating today with a live Facebook Live of our episode. How how many episodes will we have to do to eclipse the age of Rod? Uh, we eclipsed it, bro. Is this in dog years or like I don't I don't understand the question. So uh, brew of the day is it's a boring guy. one. I don't even remember what this is. Do you? Um, it's U- uh, Black coffee. It's Yukon. I think. We we need less. We need help from our listeners because we've been yeah, we do. failing at the hey. brew. Yeah. If you know of a coffee brand that could uh-huh. use a sponsorship, uh, or like you know a lot of mentions on our show, um, <laughs> we'll mention it a lot. We could use a sponsor. <laughs> no, we're uh, and we and we could use some really good. We did coffee. have a coffee. We had a coffee brand on the show. One of our best episodes, oh, actually. I really great. enjoyed that coffee called. Uh, no, no, uh, no. We had Death Wish. Death Wish Coffee. We had Sorry. Mike from Death Wish Coffee on the show, and yeah. his story was so great because About he'd been Super on the Bowl Super Bowl ad. Oh, yeah, that, that was, was good. Yeah. We should actually get. Um, coffee cult on. You should find a, f- a founder. To be to yeah. be honest, I, I uh, actually like coffee cult better than Death Wish. Oh. Well, Death Wish is all about the caffeine, yeah. so Boy, it's all it. about the hyper caffeination. All right, yeah, it's caffeinated all naturally. So we have some news uh, stuff to go over this week. Last week's show was fun because we had the Chewbacca mom thing, and I'm <laughs> that was hysterical. You can't even remember it without laughing, I'm, can you? <laughs> I'm actually not ready. I was gonna I was gonna have her queued up so we could just play uh, her play laugh. her again. Uh, yeah, but anyway, so. Um, I uh, I have something fun. So so uh, you know, uh, both Coffee Cult and uh, Death Wish Coffee sell on Amazon. Yeah. Maybe you sell on Amazon. I know some of our clients sell on Amazon. Have you ever paid for product reviews? Ooh. It's kind of a fuzzy area. What do you guys think about that? F- paying for product reviews. Do you think that's like ethically cool? You mean for for bloggers and uh, and no, podcasters I think he's and that talking sort of thing? Specific to Amazon reviews. On Amazon. Any kind of review. Let's talk the, any, any, any kind of reviews. Oh, because I think as long as the podcaster or the blogger sort of um, notes that it's paid for in some way, it's sponsored in some way. Which they're supposed to do by law. Um, then, Well, uh, and we had this episode about this. It was actually the sponsoree. Right. Sponsoring actually the, the influencers and responsibility the to make yeah. sure yeah. that their influencer follows yeah. the rules. So Amazon has some new methods of discovering fake reviews on Amazon. Okay, so they're calling paid reviews fake reviews. No. Uh, oh. They're distinguishing uh, between paid and fake. But uh, I have a feeling that some of the paid reviews could bleed over into the fake area if you can't prove that the person who did the review actually ever sampled or got your product or Oh, well, that's, or, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, if... Okay, if you pay somebody to do a review, whether it's a blogger or as Amazon person or whatever, like you have to give them product. 
I mean, you need you to. You do, yeah. I right. mean, except you can go to Fiverr right now and you can find, actually, I don't know if they're still live on Fiverr because Amazon has previously sued Fiverr. Oh. They've also previously sued uh, individuals that offer to write fake reviews. Yeah, not cool. New thing. Amazon is now suing the companies whose products were reviewed. Uh, the, so the ones that purchased. Yeah. So Amazon has already sued a thousand defendants over posting the false reviews. So those are the people actually reviewing. Wow. But now it's suing three sellers who bought the fake reviews. I, I have had, speaking of bad reviews, this probably doesn't belong in the news okay. segment. But uh, yeah, I have an experience with Yelp, oh. particularly their stance on businesses. Uh, that's been renewed as of late. Um, Tell us about of, that, because I know a lot of people are really frustrated with Yelp. It seems like a good classic protection yeah. scheme. Maybe we talk about it later on? You want to talk about it now? Uh, it's fine. Now? Okay. Well, <laughs> what if I'm not ready? The answer to that question is yes. Uh. Okay, we'll talk about it later. Let's do it. I doubt you're going to find a way to get ready, since this is a live show today. But <laughs> All right, we'll find, the, we'll find that out. So... Um, that's uh, that's one of the items that we have in the news uh, for this week. Um, I found another story that was kind of fun this week. This uh, I, 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 I marked this, file this under data is beautiful. I don't know about you, but I like it when people find ways to visualize data. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, Actually, it often helps in the digestion of it. It really does. But uh, Thank you, Captain Obvious. Have you ever... <laughs> what? This has been ad hominem twice now already. I've only said like five words. It's true. Yeah, it's all personal at this point. Wow. You know, I listen sometimes Kids. to our show and I think, you know, we're kind of mean to Josh, but I realize, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's provoked. Oh, You've conditioned him. We, You've can, conditioned we conditioned him. Well, that could be. Actually, that, that really could be. So uh, It's going to take a while to decondition me. <laughs> uh, have you ever wondered how many of the people who live near you were born in another state? Nope. <laughs> we agree. <laughs> Then you are not going to care one little bit about well, my. We live in Florida, so we just assume most. It's yeah. true. I met somebody the oh, other day. You were born here. My really. My parents oh, introduced that? me to somebody, and she's like, "Yeah, I was born in Florida." I'm like, "Can I touch you?" You know, when I found and she went, she looked at me like, like I'm like, I just you know, that's, because yeah, I've that's never heard the wrong thing to say. Yeah. yeah, saying can I touch you, that might be iffy. I know. You should, it wasn't in can a I way get your that autograph in, would be would be more appropriate. Okay, fine. It wasn't. Done inappropriately. Mommy, old, I wasn't, man. What it wasn't it? that. <laughs> oh, uh, you just got called old. Oh, too. I so did. Now, I'm sorry. If, Young you're, Bob, if you're listening to our show man. for the first time because it's on Facebook Live, uh, this may be our last episode. So, uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So, uh, this visualization allows you to see by county, broken down uh, by county, where in the United States people were born elsewhere. So, uh, for example, I really don't care. Uh, but this is cool. Percentage of the population that <laughs> okay. was born out of state. And you can actually look at which counties in the United States have the most people who were born elsewhere. Okay. We're, Not just in another county, but in another state. Okay. Kind of we're going to put it in the show notes? Yeah. So we do this every time. If we link out to a story, we mention a story, you can always find it by using the episode number on our website. So it works something like this. This is episode 70. Go to Grow the Dream Show. Sorry. Go to growthedream.com slash shows slash zero seven zero, and you can find all the notes for hey, today's show. Do you guys see what Instagram's doing? What's Instagram doing? Well, I should say. The Is big it the F. new business thing? The big F. Yeah, Instagram for business. I, I'd like this the big thing. F. Everybody... We have a thing where we call Facebook the big F, Google the big G, and since Instagram is owned by Facebook, I guess when we do an Instagram story, it's also the big F. Or the big F-I. 
Well, yeah. I don't. Instagram used to be cool. Then they were bought by Facebook. They're now no it's Instagram. Cool. That's why Snapchat is still cool because they said no to Facebook. Okay. That's, okay. So now we know. The okay. One of for the cool. reasons. Oh, okay. We know a standard for cool. Yeah. Don't get bought. All right. Out. So what, what are they doing? Tell me what they're doing. <laughs> it's this page that's all about the results you can expect if you do advertising on Instagram which we talked about this several episodes well, a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, hasn't come back up. I haven't been crazy about it. I didn't see that much better result from Instagram advertising versus I try just different on stuff. Facebook. Yeah, I want to try some video. I haven't done any video advertising on Instagram. I've done, I've done stills. I think you can do video. I'm not I, mistaken. I almost think the, the audience on Instagram is just a little bit more brutal just because the platform is less tainted. So they've come to – like on Facebook, we've been seeing ads forever – you know, I think it's just going to take a while before people really get comfortable with seeing ads on Instagram. It's been so organic for so long. Have we? Did we talk about the the um, the newsfeed algorithm update to Instagram and how yeah. posts are not? We did. Yeah. Where was I? I did don't I miss know. that episode? Uh, maybe uh, deep sea fishing. I don't know. Potentially. Not that that ever happens. Okay. So anyway, you can check this out at business dot instagram dot com. Just gives you some kind of data on a bunch of people that have advertised with them. It was I thought it was going to be a kind of a cooler tool on like best practices and like here's how you can get started. It's just it's just a bunch of data. Right, but so everybody I, was going crazy about it. I have, a, I have a quick news question for you guys. Okay. Entrepreneur did this story on why are 10 million moms missing from the workplace? Yeah. Uh, Pew Research study that uh, found that uh, highly educated women are opting out of the workforce, choosing instead to stay at home and care for their families. Uh, uh, Entrepreneur finds this to be a problem. Entrepreneur magazine that um, you know that uh, imagine a world in which these educated, uh, highly ambitious mothers had an opportunity to choose a career path to work for them. But here's the thing: found that 31% of full-time stay-at-home moms have at least a bachelor's degree. So that comes to 10 million women with professional skills, creativity, and whatnot that aren't actually out in the workforce. The point of their article being uh, perhaps the whole you know uh, workforce concept needs to adapt for more flexibility for these types of moms you guys have thoughts yeah work work from home remote work exactly that sort of thing i thought that's what was always happening but apparently this is saying that that's not meeting that uh gap well i think it's i think it's a growing trend so i think we're going to see an improvement in that Um, but it is interesting to look at it specifically from the stay-at-home mom approach so being captain of the obvious here i know you were referring to rod earlier but (laughs) i just think it's funny that the headline of the story is that more educated women choose to stay home. Mm-hmm. Well, because I think a lot of <laughs> look, educated women... They're educated, so they go, hey, look, I could work, <laughs> yeah, or I could stay home. And, and raise my children. I realize how that sounds, and I don't mean it to sound the way that it sounded, because obviously running a household takes a great deal of work. Raising yeah. kids is an enormous amount of work. But I think it's ironic that we're talking about the fact so that they're saying, educated and, and now they're staying at home. I just think that's, that's kind of like, duh. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, and, and I think uh, Entrepreneur Magazine clearly um, has it's one take. I mean, obviously, okay, it's a business magazine. It says, quote, how much are we losing by not including these women in the workforce? How many successful CEOs, gifted writers, and financial geniuses are we missing out on? Well, I don't know, but uh, when you say we, if you're talking about culture as a whole, there might be a benefit to moms being at home with children. I was going to say, wouldn't you want those people responsible for the next generation? 
I'm, yeah, it seems to me. It, I mean, those are the very people that we want, you know. I like the idea of, of providing them options to work for whatever they, if they want to do 10 hours a week or 20 hours a week on Absolutely. a schedule that yeah. works for them and their children. I mean, that just makes a ton of sense from a business point of view, too, because you do have a talent pool out there that, to draw on. That and that's what they're saying. So yeah. I, I, I happen to. Uh, well, successful CEOs are we missing out on? I don't think a CEO is a part time. 20 hours That'd be hard person. to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, depending on the size True. of the company, I mean, if it's a if it's a smaller business and you're selling something online or something, I think you could pull that off working from home. Yeah. My wife is one of the most talented managers I've ever seen in my life, and hey, she, Jill. yeah, and she does listen to the show. She might even be listening live, but um, she um, she falls into this category because she has a master's degree. And she uh, does not work outside the home except that she works outside the home the same way I do, which is to say we work from home. Right. I, um, <laughs> and she, she manages a great chunk of our business, and we wouldn't be in business today if it weren't for her doing that. Well, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. And she also raises and, and schools our daughter. Well, so. not, not to compare wives here, uh, but my wife recently just left. I'm sorry, but the phrase compare wives just... Something about that's just wrong. Trying to move on. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. Let's let's hear about Lisa. <laughs> I didn't see anything wrong with it. Right. It was a joke. How long, how long have you been married? Come on, people. 36 years. 36. This is going to be 18 well, for me. 36 in, yeah. in, uh, in 36 in yeah. He'll uh, learn. August. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So keep going. My anniversary is on Sunday. Oh wow, cool! How many Happy years is it going to be? Anniversary, Six. baby. Six years. Yeah. We. Uh, it's easy to remember. 2010. Mm. Oh wow, that's great! It's Sounds always like a rounding er- number to me. Also, sure. when I graduated school. <laughs> yep. Cool. Graduated school, got hitched. Anyway, she uh, she's been a wedding planner, uh, a very good one for the past six years. She was actually still she was doing that in school uh, as an internship, and then and then left and continued doing that. She just recently decided, like, like it's not that she didn't. She loved her job. She loved doing it, but she felt like she wanted to put a hundred percent of her effort into her kids, like our kids. Like and that's dads. awesome. And so she, like, I, there's no pressure for me whatsoever. But that's what I, she know, chose to do. I think some of the risks are removed today from that decision. You know, years ago, if you made that decision, it was kind of a career long decision. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. You were forever giving up because right. yeah, because you yeah, you, right. you stepped out of the career path. There was no way to re-enter except at the bottom level. All that sort of stuff, and that's just not the case anymore. We live in a society today where you can start something, you can freelance, you can do all yep. sorts of things that yeah. take make good use of your talents, and you don't have to just volunteer and run fundraisers and do all the traditional yeah, so stuff. So in a right? sense, really, what you could be seeing here is the opportunity for moms to be able to spend as much time with their children as they choose to. While actually having a some sort of a business or entrepreneur or career track going at the same time, it might be at a slower pace than it would otherwise be, but it's still going. So they could end up being in a, and that's a CEO good, managerial That's thing. a great thing. Yeah, I mean, that's a little bit like having your it's, cake and eating it too, which maybe can That's happen. true. If you can start something on the side or work for somebody on the side, um, you know, part-time during the week, and just like you said, you know, right, when stuff. the kids go off to school, you've got more time, all of a sudden you aren't starting from scratch. Right, right. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Uh, it's just fun to hear all the different perspectives on this story because I read that story the same way you did, Rod. It was like, I'm not sure this is a problem. Right. But uh, but the article was written completely from the perspective that... Right. <gasps> I think if you take a broader look at it, though, there's some merit there. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, they're looking at it from a commercial stance. Plus, their experiences, if they raise children and you have that much time one-on-one, especially with preschool children, you gain <laughs> relational skills. Actually, actually you do. Yeah. Wait, that, that you When you re-enter the workforce, you have a higher emotional intelligence as a result of that skill set that you gain. Well, I'm pretty sure then my wife's Wait, emotional intelligence is off the chart. <laughs> Hold on a second. She's, it must be. I mean, she well, lives rewind. with you. I mean, what? Yep. Okay, so you're saying the experience mothers go through dealing with young, because I'm in this stage. Sorry, that was T-ball. Young, <laughs> screaming, emotional yes. children right. prepares them for working with professional adults in the <laughs> workforce. Absolutely. Well, it prepares them for working with kids right out of college. I would say that probably. All right. But. So that tees up this Gen, Gen Z story. I, my, my point is that it takes a lot of relational stuff. It really takes a lot of relational skills to work with children that age. And ironically, no doubt, no doubt. as a manager... <laughs> In the workforce, you find out how often people really do behave like... Like children. Yes. It's true. Well, I'm sure that your wife dealing with toddlers helped her better deal with you. I don't know about the workforce. I think it was the other way around, actually. (laughs) The kids prepared you to work with her? No. No. Dealing with him prepared her to work with kids. Dealing with me prepared her for... Yeah. No, actually, ah. she was a uh, <laughs> two other ways around. Uh, yeah, <laughs> she was. I hadn't thought of that one actually. She was a master's degree level pediatric speech pathologist who was working with kids long before we were married. So she's you know impressive. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. So speaking of children, Generation Z. I mean, I know we pick on millennials a lot. We're way over on our news segment, but hey, let's go with it. Uh, uh, sure. I, I, have, I can I just first of all say it's it's. Um, Foolish to pick on millennials. Really? They're such a big, fat target. Is this because at some point in time we'll be in nursing homes and you guys will be making all the decisions? Is I'm, that what you're, I'm just saying. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that what you're trying to say here? I, I used to think that millennials were not me. And the more I'm realizing, I am a millennial, and I actually really like millennials. Embrace your and, millennials. And, and not saying that I don't like you. Uh, but I see okay. a lot of good in them. So I, you know, here's so so okay. Let's, they don't put up with crap. Let's camp here for I a like minute I, because oh, this is actually really is important. It, sure. With the, di- the dynamic, if you're new to the show, the dynamic is Rod is a boomer. <laughs> I'm I'm an exer. I love how he's like taking a moment to step out from this episode and explain every single element of it. Well, well, as if the, we've got our viewers. Some of the dynamic is is <laughs> obvious, but I think it I think it bears just a little. Okay. So Rod's a boomer. I'm an exer. Josh is a millennial. And, um, and, 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 those, and we're all entrepreneurs, all three of us. We've got varying levels of work experience. We've all got marketing expertise. And, and so it's, it's a fun dynamic that we have. And we do pick on you. Yes. And, and sometimes you present as an easy target. But I would say that he starts most of the stuff with me, though. Okay. I'm just going to say All right. Well, I'm not talking about the bromance. Okay. I'm talking about the... the, the there uh, is no bromance. Gosh, so that's such a silly term to describe our relationship. So... Um, I'd rather you just didn't talk about a relationship on the air like that. It sounds funny to me. <laughs> well, what were you trying to say? Were you trying to say something, David? The David Johnson. Continue. Here's my point. There are too many attacks on millennials in our culture that are... Uh, People attack things they don't understand. Well, there's that. I think that's true. Well, but we understood Hitler and attacked pe- him. People have short memories... Okay. Uh, no, okay. You know, you same. cannot just draw the you parallel made, between millennials <laughs> and Hitler. No, I, I was just correcting your blanket statement to unblanket it a little bit. Suggest the shades of gray in there in context. Back away from the mic. Usually, you guys are wanting you're, to get closer. You're to saying it. silly things. Go. See, that's what a millennial would take from me trying to explain context. Back up. So, 
Folks, this is, a, this is a demonstration of Godwin's <laughs> law in effect right here. Every online discussion will disintegrate at some point to someone calling someone else Hitler. Uh, it happens. It's true, Godwin's and I didn't law. even do it. And you're the immature one in this uh, <laughs> Yeah, But see, I didn't call you Hitler. You accepted that moniker. It happens in YouTube well, that would comments. Be Kaiser, would... Hey, if I'm not going to defend the millennials in this conversation, who is? I There's was three trying of us to. here. I was trying to. I was trying to. I, that I was just, my. That was where I was going. You didn't acknowledge how ridiculous he was for saying. No, Hitler because I'm. I'm pointing because out, he understood the context. Because it was Godwin's law. He's I was not just, a millennial. I was stepping outside. So, oh no. Oh. So here's a perfect example. Here we see the <laughs> in, we in see. its natural habitat. The African raw wildebeest. <laughs> the dynamic between <laughs> a boomer and a millennial. So. I, you know, I relate a lot better with you, Dave, than this guy. He's, well, he's, you're so far gone. Uh, so I feel like I feel like for one thing, people forget the hubris of youth that we all had when we were in our twenties and, and you know and stuff. And so some what? of the stuff. Oh, hold on, relax. Some of the attacks on millennials have nothing to do with millennials at all. It has to do with a, a a cultural phenomenon that happens when you think you know it all. Okay, so there's that. I appreciate that you looked at it, uh, Rod there. Uh, and so, as you said, know it all. And and we all do this. I mean, and some of us still do, <laughs> you know. But um, but we 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 don't understand the dynamic that happens in in the generations. And and I feel like there is a dynamic at play here that is so critical and important for our future. And that is the millennial generation as a whole, painting with a very, very broad brush, does question everything. And it can be frustrating for because we've questioned some of these things and we arrived at our own conclusions. And I think some of us want to deny the millennial generation the right to arrive at their own conclusions. And that's unfair. But I think another, another really serious factor is that our society is changing faster than it's ever changed before. The rate of change is increasing. It is not slowing down. It's not going to slow down. And we need this skill that is willing to question everything. And ultimately, they will, uh, uh, this, this will become a very valuable skill. Well, potentially. I, I, all right. So I have, a, I mean, this is a, a thoughtful insight on this. This was I, not I in believe, our show notes, by the way. I believe, right, uh, the millennial generation and what you're talking about there represents the youth of every generation. I mean, when you said that they do something, you said something effective that others haven't done or whatever, is they question everything. I don't really think that's true. I mean, I was there in the 60s, and they were questioning absolutely everything. And then the 70s, and, and my generation then um, was questioning everything that's all true. the time, the, absolutely everything. The boomer generation had a similar trait. I, the Xers did not. Okay, not All as right. much. Now I think I think in our in our current uh, uh, stage of life we do. Okay, I think we are. I think you know. You I know. just think there's typically but see, something boomers there. today. Boomers you guys are all today going have midlife crisis now. No, no, boomers. Things. Boomers today have reversed. So boomers were the generation that questioned everything in in, in their in their twenties, and now defends the status quo. Uh, staunchly. See, I don't, I don't buy that either. Um, I'm, t- I'm painting with a broad brush. <laughs> you are because you know that's obviously not me because I'm like against. No, 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 the, of course. I'm, I'm against the flow constantly on cultural issues and on the status quo and on the way things are. It's just a constant battle for me. For one thing, it's really I've never. <clears throat> while I like having fun with Josh on the millennials and all, <clears throat> I do not like the idea of generational clumping. I think that there's limited value that you can get from that because there's so many exceptions. Frankly, I always hated being painted as part of the baby boom generation because I thought that they were so selfish and self-centered and um, sort of self-absorbed and spoiled 
And, uh, you know, I, I just think that that's, I, I did not like being part of that. And say, oh, the baby boomers, because I didn't want to be that way. I think now, all three of us would say we identify very differently from our current cohort, like our, our contemporaries. Well, he, I think Josh just said otherwise, but maybe. Um, yeah. I mean, he's, but he's saying he's finally arrived at this and you're, you're what, 29 now? Is that right? Well, I guess I never realized, I never did the math as to what I was. I just didn't care. Oh, okay. And But now that I'm on this show and you keep calling me a millennial, apparently I have to care. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Well, I didn't know it was getting so personal. I thought it was just fun. I'm yeah, just I don't saying, think you have to care. Somebody's got to represent them on the but, show. But I'm wondering if, if, if you have, like outside of the context of the show, have you taken comments about millennials as though they were aimed at you in the past? No. No. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just joking around. I mean, I have, as you guys know, and some of our listeners know, I have a lot of children. And so I have like... Five, he has a lot of millennials. I have a lot of millennials. I have a lot of millennials. You'd think and, he would they, understand me better. And and they don't... Well, in a, I do. <laughs> I have some of these conversations with them. But in part, I'm having conversations with young men and women more than I'm having conversations with millennials. I think that this is just uniform. I think that when your children are in their 20s and all... You're going to find, and even teens and 20s, you're going to find a lot of this coming around and going around. You will have gone through a lot of questioning and answering, and you will have come to conclusions, and they'll be questioning everything. And that's good, and I actually enjoy that with my children and all. But you realize there's a point where you realize they're asking all the same questions, and they're going to come around and see, and they're not actually going to be able to hear from people who have gone through that. Not that they have to believe it, but that they could get input and insights from them. I think that's the frustration that I have as an older person looking back on myself as a younger person than others is that young people just have a ridiculously difficult time accepting insights from older people that have more. Not saying they have to agree with them, not saying they have to roll over, but just listen to them and say, okay, that's good. Actually, I think there was a time in our country where we had more respect for the views of our elders, if you want to put it that way. And there was value in that. And I think we've lost something when we've walked away from that and we have to rediscover the wheel in the universe in every generation. Well, I, I think that I think that there's a lot of truth in what you're saying. And, and I would say that probably started with my generation at the top. Okay, so there's an interesting theory uh, called the Strauss-Howe generational theory. And I may have mentioned this to you before. I don't know. Uh, they wrote a book. These two uh, uh, sociologists wrote a book called The Fourth Turning. And uh, they wrote the book in the mid-90s. They looked at uh, Western culture, so basically English and American history, going back 400 years, and they found a four-generation pattern that emerged. And they, they identified these four generations. One is called the prophet, which the boomers are a prophet generation. And they're born at the end of a... They're, they're all, so, so it's the first one. One, two, three, four types of, of, of generations, but there are also four types of societal... Um, evolutions uh, no uh, uh, like uh, like uh, uh, stages so so one is known as a crisis stage and there's a cycle that that keeps going so there's a high an awakening an unraveling and a crisis so um, the high to give you an example um, when in in recent history when you think about uh, you know some examples of these uh, areas a um, a recent high, was the 1950s. We're in a cultural high. The crisis occurred previously, so World War II was a crisis period, right? You have a high um, at, at, uh, at, at the 1950s. You have an awakening, at which point the prophet generation is entering their young adulthood. And they have lots of babies. And they're challenging. No, no, the previous generation had a lot of babies. That, oh. was, that was why. The crisis post, generation. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, post, the 
the baby boomers were all born immediately after the war. So their parents were the ones having all the babies. Well, immediately for a stretch. I wasn't born until 59. But yeah. Well, yeah, but, okay, <laughs> you know, there's a Not big... Not all about you, Rod. And you're, you're also at the tail, at the end, tail end of, of the, the boomers. boomers. I am. Which, which, and these lines are never clearly drawn, right? Exactly. I mean, they're, they're uh, also... Another one of my problems with exactly. generationalism. However, there are, are characteristics that repeat themselves. So, for example, the, the prophet generation are, are usually born near the end of a crisis... And they grow up as the indulged children of a post-crisis era parent. Yep, that's the spoiled part I was mentioning. Exactly. Yep. Then there's the nomad generation. And oh, that's you guys. That's correct. Okay. So Xers are born following, they're born during the awakening time period when uh, social ideals and spiritual agendas are being pushed. And this, by the way, you can go all the way back to the Wars of the Roses on this thing. This goes back. Fascinating. To, yeah, it's very fascinating. Are you describing the 70s? Um, he was going no. Well, getting getting there, yeah. Yeah, I mean the the the, the awakening was really kind of the '60s, right. right? Okay. So then the next generation, the third generation, then if we start with the prophet as the first, and you can pick one to start with, but if you start with the prophet as the first, then the third one is going to be the hero generation. They're born after the awakening during an unraveling, right? And they come of age usually during a crisis. Now. In 1995, I'm guessing, or 97, somewhere in that time period, this book was published, The Fourth Turning. They'd been working on the research for a long time. They predicted that somewhere between 2005 and 2020, we would have a major, major crisis. Uh, yep. Because it's cyclical. It happens, and, it, and it, it's not exactly every hundred years. It's basically the length of one long human life. So you break up a human life into four chunks. It's and more like 80 to 90 years. It depends, you know, because in some two periods of our history, those lives were shorter. So this cycle moved a little bit more quickly. Yep. And there's one time period where we had a reset, and it was the American Civil War. We lost an entire generation uh, because mm. we killed off all sure the men. Enough. So these genera generational dynamics reset. But, um, but aside from that, this, this bears out. And so you can see this happening over and over again, and you, so you start to look at, what happens uh, in, in these in these generations? And a lot of times, like we were known as, I mean, this, this they called us the nomads. But again, cycle repeats. I mean, it, it, the name even works for that. Gen X. We Who were, are you guys? Whatever. Just wandering we were the around in the wilderness. Kids. We were the latchkey kids. We came home from school with both parents at work, and we had a key to the house. I was a latchkey. That kid. was the way we, you know. Yeah. And and now you were an exception because mm -hmm. it was rare for a boomer to be a latchkey kid. Usually, mom was home, yep. and the you know dinner was cooking, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but the the again very broad brushes, but right. that's how these dynamics work, you know, on a on a sociological level. But we came home and and we parented ourselves basically during our teenage years, you know, uh, school age to teenage years, uh, and that was true. The next generation after that is called the artist generation, and so Jim. Wait, what happened to oh after the hero? Yep, after the Z, after the hero. Uh, so after you, you got the nomad, the hero would be the, the millennials, uh -huh. and then the artist generation comes next, and that would be our Gen Zs. And the artists, is that what leads us into the crisis? They, um, no. Artists grow up by... Like you understood that. No, listen to this. So, so let, me, let me read you what happened. So this is a quick summary on the hero generation, uh, which, is the, which is the... Millennials. Millennials. They, um, they're born after an awakening during an unraveling. They grow up as increasingly protected post-awakening children. Now, again, this book was written, and it predicted this stuff before it was happening to the millennials, Okay, right? Because he was looking back. They were looking back 75 years, and they were like, oh, yeah, here's what's going to happen with this generation. Because the parenting processes repeat. The same sort of cultural bombs happen that cause people to react, 
And like uh, hero or nomads were underparented, so we become helicopter parents. Mm-hmm. To some degree, boomers have the same sort of effect. So the millennials were raised by helicopters. And what's going to happen is that the, the, there's always a blend. So, so Gen X and millennials will parent the heroes. And the uh, or the I'm sorry the artists I'm getting them a little bit mixed up in my own yeah. mind but the Gen Zs will be parented by both of us but they're going to grow up at a time when their parents are preoccupied with the crisis mm. okay and they will be more conformist you know it sounds like this this is sociologically this parallels um, wait wait wait, wait Newton's, hold on saying Newton's third law. Where he's for for every um, yes consequence there's an equal and opposite consequence yes. for every action there's an equal each generation is creating an action for which the next generation reacts, reacts to and 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 in but turn the, and they that found, becomes the thing that causes the next generation okay so you're yeah. you're saying millennials as heroes we're fighting the crisis. and we're going to become conformists in the end no your no, kids no, no. will be conformists right oh you're going to raise conformists. Because right now the the, the Wait, but so, so what was the greatest generation then? The greatest? Well, they don't. Why would you ask that? Rank, because that should be the, no 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 no. Oh, you're talking about the the the, the World War II generation. So that the, that would be the fourth one before the prophet then, right? They the, so that, so they were known as they were heroes. They were conformists. Well, where was the artist generation? Uh, the artists were the silent generation. So they were the ones that were born from 1925 to 1942. Okay, I guess I just lost the the the. the so the GI the GI the generation. Right uh-huh. You you when you think about the 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 GI generation, they were born from 1901 to 1924. Um, the baby boomers are so so you have the GIs, the silence, and the baby boomers. Okay, and how does that correlate with this uh, sociological construct? Okay, so baby boomers are prophets; they're the idealist right, ones. Right. Backwards. Before that, the artists were the silent generation. They were adaptive. Wait. No, you skipped the generation before the baby boomers is... Um, the silent generation. No, that... Oh, 21 to, 1901 20, to 1924? No, no, no. Uh, no, the silent generation is 25 to 42. Okay. We have very few of them alive so, left, by so the way. That, right. So the silent generation is what we have nicknamed the greatest generation. Because remember that... I mean, you understand the nickname I'm talking about, right? I, yeah, I don't. This is I, I think the great generation were the were the GIs of World War II. Correct. Yeah. Well, they were. That was a mixture. They would have been both the GI generation and the okay, silent so generation. So I'm finding this kind of interesting, but I don't think that it's um, my gra- my grandfather's a, a good example. He was a GI in World War II. He was at Pearl Harbor. He was part of what was known as the GI generation. They were born from 1901 to 1924. Right. So my dad too. He was born in 23, and he was he was in World War II. Yeah. So they were the they were the that was the GI generation. They're right. the ones that you the, would think of the as the culture as a large understands that to be called the greatest generation. The greatest generation, yeah. They, the, the Strauss and Howe called them the GIs, but that's that's the group. The silent generation is that group that they weren't old enough to fight in World War II, right? Right. They the, the most so, of them. Right. So they became they became they, they more came of age more in the late forties and fifties. Right. They were the ones who were parenting okay. the the, so the in boomers. A sense, our cultural definition of those generations is not lining up with this sociological definition of generations it sounds like like we have an age difference we're missing a generation in there no we're not no it's here's here's a chart for you i guess <laughs> you see it here's a chart right hey what, here, were, what were you right saying now. earlier about visuals making things clear <laughs> this is not i can see it right captain now. obvious yeah so so I mean, oh the, that's an excel spreadsheet this goes back so Yikes. i mean the heroes are the millennials generation x are the nomads 
Baby boomers are prophets. So you're listening, can't see this. Silent generation artists, but we'll link out to it because that's what we do in our show notes. We will link out to it because we are so far off base, it's not funny. So we will definitely need to give people a link to this. Okay, so, so in the very beginning of this story, you were bringing up something about millennials. Nobody knows that generation right there. The silent generation, yeah. That they're, they're virtually unknown. That's called the greatest. No, the GI generation or the great generation. Okay, all right. Right, the so greatest yeah. generation. So because I, the, the Tom culture, Brokaw called them the greatest generation. Right. By what, the way, which, what, what I'm what I'm saying is that the culture knows going from the greatest generation to the baby boomer generation. But that's not true. That's why. That's I'm, why I'm saying the cultural um, understanding is not lining up with this one. Because the cultural understanding wasn't watching what was going on, and this happens every time. The silent generation, the artists, they're the ones that get missed. So, so <laughs> culturally. We have missed that silent generation, which is why it's probably aptly named silent generation. Anyways, you were okay, making John. a point about millennials. I'm, I, I didn't mean to deprive you of my point. I was going to, you know, make so, it so I can argue with it. Oh, you want to argue with it? I don't know. You want to argue with being the hero generation? I mean, that's pretty cool. So the, I do love Avengers. The the hero. The, I do dream of being Iron Man. So the hero we generation, the hero generation, uh, again, this is a summary. They grow up as increasingly protected post-awakening children. They come of age as team-oriented young optimists during a crisis. I mean, if wait, that wait, wait. doesn't describe millennials, I don't know what does. Team-oriented. Team-oriented. And so, you know, this thing that we, that we make fun of the millennial generation because they got a trophy for participation instead of for individual achievement. Not our fault. Exactly Agreed. right. Precisely. Correctly. And it's nothing new. It happens every third, you know, every every hero generation ends up like that. Yep. Because of those reactions you were talking about, Rod. And so here's why this matters to you listening, okay? You might think, well, what the heck do what I care about all this? What the heck are these guys talking about? Because if you don't understand the the sociological, psychological, demographic components that make up the people you're marketing to. So I'll give you an example of this. A few years ago, <laughs> financial planner came to me and he said, you're going to tie this back to marketing. I am. I am. <laughs> about, about 10 or 15 years ago, financial planner came to me and he said, look, we need to hit these people that are retired. We're not hitting the baby boomers yet because they're just starting to retire. We want to get those people that are already retired and they have a different dynamic than you know these other groups. And, and the one group had been dying off, which were the GIs. Okay. Okay. Right. So what we basically said was he was targeting the silent generation. Silent generation, okay. very different characteristics from boomers. And I'll give you an example. My parents, boomers. My wife's parents, silent generation. Okay? Very close in age. They were only born a few years apart. But right. the relational dynamics and the sociological dynamics, widely different. Mm. Here's a characteristic of the silent generation. In, painting with very broad brushes, because that's what you do in demographics. Okay? Painting with very broad brushes, Yeah. wife knows nothing about the financial situation. So if you're oh, wow, a financial yeah. advisor... Oh, you talk to the men. You have to talk to the men, but you know what? You can't get the men's attention. So how do you get the men's attention? Through the wife. You get the wife's attention. Yep. So here's what we did. We put together a direct mail campaign. Are you ready for this? And it, on a, uh, it was addressed to the, to the husband of the family, right? We bought lists, directed it to the, to, to the husband of the... And then we put in big red letters, husbands only, Right? Like for husbands only, or we had something that was pretty close to that. It might not have been. Exactly. So the wife would read it? So she would open it right away. <laughs> <laughs> the letter was written, quote unquote, to him, and it was all about protecting his wife after he's gone because we all know he dies first. So how do you make sure that she knows where the money is? How do you know she, she understands there's a plan? How do you know that this and that and the other thing? Honey, was... this came in the mail today. Exactly. <laughs> I want you to see this. You should look at this. Right. And we did three letters in a row like that. 
And each one kind of, hey, That's I'm good. increasingly worried about your wife. <laughs> oh, my. Right? Now, if you sent that to a boomer household, she would get mad and tear it up. Yeah. Very different generational dynamic. Interesting. And if you send it to an exer, she would just laugh. Okay. So I don't now, know if I ever fit in any of these, or my wife, because my wife would never open a piece of mail that was addressed to me, ever. Oh, even if it said for husbands only? Absolutely. Oh, she man. just never would, and I would never open hers unless she And there, there are anyway. always exceptions. Like, you'll right. find people in the silent generation. Like, I, your I wife hate, is not like my wife. I know. I hate being lumped in with a generation that I feel like I have nothing in common with except a birth date. So the, the, the silent generation, you'll find people where the husband doesn't have a clue about the finances and the wife handled it all. You know what I mean? Sure. But you just have you, – you, so there are always exceptions, but you can find these dynamics happening, and, uh, and it's a very fascinating one. So the hero generation, um, they're energetic. They're overly confident in their midlife, and as they age, they become politically powerful elders, and they're attacked by another awakening that comes along. Oh, yeah. So guess what's in your future, buddy? <laughs> children. Yeah, well. I, mean. I, I just can't imagine my, my children looking at them now being conformists. <sighs> you can't help it. You're going to raise conformists. See, I don't okay, get no, Can you describe that's a conformist? too determinative because you're talking broad generation and we're talking Josh Muccio. Okay. And he does not have to raise children. But that he's way. not the only one who's going to influence his kids. Yeah. All right. We're talking, well, he and his wife are the two biggest influencers. Agreed. But they're going to go to school. They're going to have a cohort. They're going to have relationships with their, their peers who were parented by other people. Again, there's, there's um, a lot of options there too. But my children Agreed. are almost nothing like a lot of the others. And you, were, and you homeschooled them. Right. And all eight of them. Yep. And you and you guys <laughs> were in a culture where you went to church. You had people around you that were also doing the same thing. Right. So so, but that's that's not the norm. No. And it's so not. I and understand so, that. But what, so, what you, you said again, the sour years are going to turn out that way, and that's what I was disputing. Well, agreed. Of, in the in an individual case, it all breaks down. Right. But but on the on the cultural level, the millennials are going to raise optimists, conformists. Optimists. They are and conformists. Huh. Yeah. No, they 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 are optimists. Uh, so this is interesting. I'm not sure I actually buy it all, but it's interesting data to have. I tell you what, the book is worth a read because it it, it cycles through. And if you don't want to read the whole thing, you know, uh, Wikipedia has Cliff's notes uh, that are that are pretty good. But you you do miss a lot of nuance. There's a lot of nuance in this. So for any of our um, listeners that uh, or viewers even that are new. This is not how we normally do the show. <laughs> this is not the topics we normally cover. No. We usually have breaks and all. Um, our, our opening was, what, what would what we have that set at? 15 minutes, Josh, for news? 10 minutes. 10 minutes for news, and we're 42 minutes into the show. I don't um, know. So Speaking of millennials, I'm doing a Snapchat takeover today. Okay. <laughs> so this is totally... So, I mean, and we've there just will be blown. Dy- dynamics that will affect this. Like Snapchat wasn't around the last time, you know, that the the uh, the the hero generation came. Well, to... Well, this is one thing I wondered, and I didn't want to get off on a, on like the third rail bunny trail here. But if there, if technology would, why in, not? If in, if technology would in any way affect the dynamics of this generational flow, because we've had technology changes at a rate. That changing cultures at a rate that obviously we've never seen before. I mean, it goes. I know Captain Obvious goes without saying, but even that is <laughs> geometrically increasing there. And I'm just wondering if that actually could impact um, the it, sociological theory. It, it absolutely theory. can and will. And they make the point that look, this stuff is always subject to being screwed up by external forces, right? Right. But the external forces also have a way of aligning themselves around this pattern. And they make the point that we're now bringing the rest of the world into this pattern. That's what I was going to say because this is clearly looking at generations in the United States. English, no, England okay. and the United States, right? England, and because the US. we were, okay, we've English been in speaking. locks, we've been right, in lockstep sure. with each other. No, that makes total sense. Well, they were principally 
the, the source of our colonies. Yeah, no, I know. understand that. Uh, so, so we were kind of in lockstep with them. Right, no, as I said, it makes and, total sense. And there. we experienced a crisis together. Right. We had a war with right. them, <laughs> you know, for independence. Right. So, um, you know, they had a, they, and they had a war at the same time we did, right? So it, it, it actually kind of furthered the, the process. But if, if you go globally, clearly, you know, through the last few centuries, China has had a very different um, evolution generation, say, than we have. And Russia, Truly. again, differently. And but South we brought American them, countries, very different. We brought them into our crisis with the 2008 financial meltdown. Well, that's where we where yes, that's where you get into the, then the global conversation is whether right. this could start applying globally and potentially. They made, and they made the point that that could that would happen. Be pretty, that'd be a slow process. It's I would a pretty think. pretty fascinating uh, deal. So, um, yeah, um, fun. Interest, interesting digression here. <laughs> we digress practically. I, the whole did, show. Uh, had, I don't know how we uh, ring this know. back I in. We come back around here. How about we take a break when we come we back? Should. <laughs> we should. Should we do tools of the day or what are we going to do next? I don't know. You'll find out. It'll be good. <laughs> hey, did you know one of the major factors in search now or becoming so is speed and accessibility? And coolness, apparently. Yes, yes. I, I said I'm not, my shades. I'm not cool enough. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, keep going. Okay, I'm going to keep going. So Speed. So I like speed. Fast websites. I recently, had on before both of you. Just saying. Recently, I drank the Kool-Aid and went, switched to WP Engine uh, on the pitch.fm. And it was a smooth switch, number oh, one. So easy to which do. Which was super cool. Yeah, moving, it's great. Moving a WordPress tough. site, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, WordPress sites can be difficult to move. Yes. Not on WP Engine. Um, used a coupon, got a really sweet deal, paid for the whole year on one site. It's really, for how fast, like it's, I know it's boutique, like really, you know, nice. It's, yeah, it's more expensive than other shared hosting, but you know what? It kicks other shared hosting's tail. Right. Well, if you're getting traffic on your site or you're trying to get traffic or you've got this money site, like you should pretty much have that site on WP Engine. Because uh, the, the page, well, not only is it about experience for your users, um, but the SEO benefits um, from the big G and your own benefits. You know what? They uh, will yeah. upgrade your unsafe. Own benefits? Yeah, yours. Oh, uh, they upgrade. Yeah, they upgrade uh, your your plugins for you. If uh, they're right. uh, if they're if they're security problems, uh, they watch all of that stuff. They do daily backups, instant uh, snap of your site. If you want to create a staging site, so you can tinker with something and change yeah, it and see it. Cool. It's really great. Love it. I love it. Love it. Uh, you can get started with WP Engine at gtdshow.com slash WP Engine. And I think there is a special deal right now of some kind. Uh, it's good. Yes. I think it's two months free. I think that's right. Something like that. So be cool like me. Check out WP Engine, gtdshow.com slash WP Engine. All right. We're back with more of episode 70, the derailed episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we should call it, the derailed episode. Do we mention we're uh, celebrating episode 70? Episode 70. By live Facebook streaming it. Hey, and if you are watching live, today is National Donut Day. So get out there and celebrate with a donut. Yeah, and if you're watching live, you'll see that we did not celebrate it here appropriately at all as we have no donuts with us. And because our show will not release today. so Yeah, but donuts work anytime, I'm just saying. It's true. Right. Uh, holy great holidays, Batman. <laughs> yeah, that's a great holiday, isn't it? All right, so I, I'm, I have a topic I want to bring holy. up here. Holy. <laughs> I'm just trying to derail you further now, just because, I don't know, this is a tradition. This is. All right, I'm, I'm plowing forward here. Please do. All right, so the, the London Mirror has this story. The EU, that's the uh, European Union, 
gives Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Microsoft 24 hours to censor all, quote, hate speech. Here's the story. The 24 hours? Yeah. Yeah. The Are Euro- you kidding me? No. European Union has signed a deal with four of the world's biggest tech firms to see, uh, which will see, quote, hate speech deleted from social media in 24 hours. Facebook, Twitter, Microsoft, and Google have all committed to new rules designed to, quote, ensure that online platforms do not offer opportunities for illegal online hate speech to spread very Wait, 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 wait. Let me now, ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Uh, is this only going to apply within the EU? Well, this is this is what complicates everything because, of course, we're basically the only country that really has a First Amendment and a free speech that's enshrined in the Constitution. Which we fought very, you know... Long and hard to get and has been very beneficial to our country, and a lot of countries have suffered for not having it. And we've slowly let it go over the last 100 years. Yes, we have, and particularly in the last 20 to 30. Um, however, so, so this is part of what's troubling about this. All four firms have committed to quickly analyze and remove content involving, quote, public incitement to violence, okay, or hatred. Is, 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 is inciting violence hate speech? Is that no, classified? Okay, but it so there's two, two, two separate things. Incitement okay. to violence, actually, okay, there, there's a certain possibility there. But or hatred directed against a group of persons or a number or a member of a group defined by reference to race, color, religion, descent, or national or ethnic origin. So my question then is if uh, you have a problem with Islam and you want to make a critique of Islam, or conversely, if you have a problem with Christianity and you want to make a critique of Christianity, is that going to be hate speech? And is that going to be taken down? And then... Is that those just, Christians are such white crackers? Exactly. And then is there is there? I hate that speech. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> really. Uh, so this will be taken off in Europe, and that's my question: Is this in Europe? Is this in uh, the United States? Where I mean, China is, of course, its own sort of situation. How does this work for a global con- company? Remember, we were talking last week about um, Facebook sort of coming to understand their role as a global communications company and having to adapt itself to a full range of opinions and worldviews, and, and I think making some sort of effort there. Um, but I don't know how this works. I don't know why they would want to submit to this. Um, this just, to me, it looks like it's going to be opening up a huge can of worms for them to deal with going forward. So I've got to ask this question. I, 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 I feel like Europe has a weird position. They're in a weird position compared to the United States. So it's a, there are two, two major factors that I want to bring up. One is Hitler, just because of God. Oh God my gosh! Hitler. No, no, I'm sorry. But no, in all seriousness, are you comparing Europe to Hitler? Oh wait. In, in, in all seriousness, I mean, in their relatively recent past, they had a situation where uh, an entire race was it, it attempted to be exterminated, and yeah. and it and it was in a it was in a global war, <laughs> you know. So there was that. We all know that there's been genocide in Eastern Europe, uh, you know. Ongoing for centuries since the diaspora. Uh, exactly. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. but 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 even yeah. And, and then and then and then you had Stalin who who, who diaspora. Yeah, that's a couple of millennia ago. Go ahead. Uh, Roman era. Uh, dispersion of the Jews. Is that when they Sorry. when they were it's historic. They were sent all Thank over you. the world. I figure yeah. if I don't understand it, there's probably probably a couple listeners hundred, that don't. Who don't. Right. Yeah, it's right. worth it's worth it's worth becoming sure. acquainted with because because. Um, Talk about things that go around and come around. So, huh? so, so, so. Here's what I feel like. The other, and the other side of this coin is that European cultures today, so present day. So we go back just not that long ago, and you had the entire continent affected by Hitler, um, and then, and then today you have 
situations where entire civilizations are being eroded by Islamic immigration. Because we all know that, that, that there is an Islamic policy to move into European countries and multiply and, and, and bring down the, the, the systems. You say policy. Well, that's what al-Baghdadi. It's an intentional strategy. Al-Baghdadi, who's the head of ISIS, has said that that's part of what they are doing. But it's been going on but for 20 years it or has more. Been. It's and, nothing new. Okay, hold and, on a second. Yeah. Being ISIS and Islam is Correct. different. So I, Correct. I, I think sometimes Big you need difference. to... Right, you but, need, you but need so to Islam, they're coming in, Correct. having lots of babies. Yes. And ISIS is saying, yeah, because, that's part of our strategy. Because they want to take down secular civilization and they want to create... Right. ISIS wants no. to take down... Secular? Well, yes, but, but no. Right. Backing up, before ISIS, and we're not even talking about extreme Islam here, we're talking about people who said, we want Islam... Their, their stated goal is to take over the world and exterminate the, the, the infidel. What the now, hell? Some of, the, some of that is nonviolent, okay? This is a nonviolent way to do it. A nonviolent way is you move into a country... Nonviolent in this stage. Right. But, but I mean, a nonviolent way is you move into a country, you get on welfare, you have a whole bunch of kids, they do the same thing. A couple generations later, you've radically grown your your presence yeah. and the existing stuff starts to fall apart because the let's take England they're not having babies at that rate the english if you can call them natives you know they're having one child per couple and the islamic people are having many children and so it only takes a couple generations Actually, for this. And to, the demographics already there, right? It's I mean, that, already that's happening. Been going on. There are places in Europe right now where you can't find a Christian church anymore. They're all mosques. Uh, you you will find that Sharia yeah. law is the l- rule of the day within certain pockets. There are places in Paris that are no go zones for the police. It's ruled by the Islamic um, leader right. cleric. I'm at sorry, the what? And and, yeah, and it's called no go zone. And you have is Islam being taught in schools, in public schools in the UK, in places where they're the majority of the students. <laughs> right. So that's right. slow but sure. And and along that same line, then you have. Um, you have in, in the Middle East itself, right. where Islam has, been, has reigned for centuries and centuries and centuries, you have in this past century where you still had some remnant of Christianity, which was birthed there. This sounds in like, Egypt. Uh, like a parasite. And I, well, Like something coming in, living off of the host. It's a virus. And, and then killing the host. Right. But then what happens to the parasite? It dies too. Well, eventually, yeah, but I don't know how that to, works out. I, some, to I, all draw the parallel all the way to the end. Yeah, yeah, at, at some, some point. point. Yeah, yeah. but what I'm saying there is that, but you have like the Coptic Christians. Um, I just saw the data on sure. this. They're, they are being eradicated, and they, they're the longest Christian community, uh, existing com- Christian community since the time of Christ, basically, is what right. they trace back yeah, to. In, basically in and, Egypt, right? Right, and they're in and Egypt. In, in, in and Iran, there were, Iran, there was a huge Syria, culture of, of Christians. There was. Mm. And and that's the problem is all of them are being pushed out. Some of those numbers in in Iraq oh, and in that's Syria, right until the U.S. brought down their democratically elected leader. <sighs> it wasn't the U.S. that drove them out. Sorry, though. we just it got was, political. It was a portion. It's my fault. It was a portion of Islam. Um, but so the, the the point on all this. Okay, so you can hear we have certain points of view here. Here's the <laughs> point on this story. So if we are posting these points of view, which I think is 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 not an unreasonable critique of Islam. They can respond. You can have a debate back and forth. My question is, does the, all this fall under hate speech and Facebook and Twitter and Microsoft and Google, who cares about Microsoft, will just pull it down? I mean, is that what they're saying? Well, just, Microsoft we has a big it? stake in Facebook. Let's not forget. 
Uh, so I, I'm I'm curious. I don't know. I, I feel like uh, so. First of all, you know, the right to be forgotten is is probably one of the early things that happened. If you're not aware of that story, it was a year plus ago when the EU passed a law that basically yeah, that's said right. Google has to, upon request, remove stuff from the search results um, it's for any reason. So if you just didn't like a particular thing that had been written about you, yep. you could petition Google, and that would have to be removed within a certain period of time. And that was just this is only in, in Europe, the EU, though, right? It was what? only in the EU. But the right to be forgotten is not law outside of EU, but it is a Google practice outside the EU. So uh, it's like law for the rest of us. <laughs> it's a feature. It's spreading. Regarding Google. It yeah. is spreading. And I don't know how, how much it has spread to the U.S., but it's going to happen. Right. It's going to happen. Right. I found The one thing I found a little bit interesting that I didn't see in the list was um, gender preference. And I was a little bit surprised not to see that in there. So that's not yet illegal hate speech. Uh, in the European Union, in this in this. Um, I think it is in the European Union, yeah, um, but it's not in this uh, in this contract, list in this uh, agreement, I should say, with these major so, social medias. So <sighs> it brings up an interesting question. Uh, w- you know, what of this will apply to us? But you know, you know how I react to this as a as a geek. I have always contended that the internet was open and it should stay that way. Right. Yeah. Sure. And, and as long as we continue to support the corporate web, including Facebook. Uh, Twitter. Here you know, we go. <laughs> we will lose our right to free speech. Uh, th- th- it will How happen. How do you not quote support them by using them when they're the reach for everybody? It's true. As a marketer, I have to tell you, we have to use them. You have to use them. There's no, there's no way around that. Right. But I constantly contend that if we use them exclusively, there will come a day when Facebook will go, you know what? I don't like your page. And all your content's right. gone. So right. what do you do then? So, so that's why you never want to build your, your future on a rented page. Right. And and, and this is an example of how, another example of how it could happen. Now, in the past, it happened. Remember MySpace? It happened with them because back they went the, out of business. In the midst of just, history. Just yeah. Economics. Uh, they didn't know how to run it. Whatever you want to say, they went out of business. Uh, that could happen to Facebook. It's not happening right now. I mean, their revenues are growing like crazy. Google's revenues are growing. So I'm not, I'm not suggesting that it's going to happen tomorrow. It could happen to Twitter, though. That could happen. They could go out of business. Yeah, they could. They're having struggles. So in um, other uplifting news? Oh, yeah. Sure. If we're done with that one. No, I don't have anything. I was just oh, hoping you okay. guys did. I have tools of the week, but Let's do they, real they quick. just seem so uh, off topic. All right. Well, hey, we do a thing at the end of the show. Usually we have a tool or maybe sometimes tools of the week. Yeah, often Josh brings them forth because he's great at it. Yeah, Absolutely. man. I'm always looking about tools. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you have for us this week? Okay, this one's called Press Kit Hero. Presskithero.com. Okay. Very simple. Because he's a press kit hero. (laughs) Good for you. Uh, That'll be stuck in my head all day. (laughs) You're welcome. Something funny and refreshing in the show. I appreciate that. Uh, This this basically replaces you, Rob. Um, You log in, you add some images, and you say some stuff about your company. I'm just kidding. (laughs) And uh, Knowing what to say is important, though. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, it is. What now? Anyway, and you can basically rent it for free on their domain and kind of set this stuff up super, super easy. So if you don't know what to put in a press kit and you want people to write about you, I guess they kind of have a guided flow. Helps you uh, put some stuff in a... What's the URL? Uh, Sorry, I'm just typing what? it in. I Were you know. working before? Press kit hero. Yeah, but I didn't know it was dot com. I didn't hear the dot com. I just heard the name of the company. Yeah. Okay. 
Anyway, and you can pay money if you want to self-host this thing on your site. But I don't oh, is care. it like a PHP MySQL kind of a oh no thing you can download? No, no SaaS product. Oh, so you just get to use your domain with it. You don't actually get yes. to self-host. Yeah, it's a custom ah. custom domain. Hey, Say man, self-host. I will, I, I want to download is, it and play with it. Yeah, you're so you're so you're renting space again. Good for you. Happy for you. Anyway, I wouldn't pay for this product, but it's pretty cool. Hey, if so if to, you need a press kit, this is kind of like the the easy button. Well, and like even if you build it on Press Kit Hero, and then you decide, okay, this is what a, a good one looks like, copy and paste it on your own. I'm sorry, they have testimonials on here. I'm reading Fast Company's testimonial, and there's a typo in the testimonial. <laughs> what does it say? Oh, it no. said Pied Piper accidentally built the best instead of built the best enterprise backup solution in the industry. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, That's why I'm irreplaceable. Stuck in an image. Dude. That's why you're irreplaceable. You know. <laughs> Is no. it because people are posting their articles that where they get press coverage there? So now Fast Company has, has a backup? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not even really a testimonial. It's not. Uh, for this. It doesn't seem like it. It appears to be about something else. How okay. Do, anyway. How do you... Emojis. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, emojis. How do you use emojis... Uh, not not for your marketing efforts. Well, it could be for your marketing on your on your computers. So everybody knows how to get to the emoji keyboard on your phone. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the Gboard keyboard for iPhone. So yeah, freaking it. awesome! It originated it? on Android. Yep. Yeah. No, I just wanted to point that out again. No, I, think I there's use some differences. I use copy and paste emoji.com because that's what Larry Kim told us about when he was here. <laughs> And he okay, was the guy so that, that convinced me that I needed to use them all the time in my tweets. emojis need to be integrated in the operating system. They need to be. They can't be integrated into the keyboard. Yeah, right. unless you get an external key, which somebody made one of those. Somebody hacked one of those. That was a great video. There's oh, a language fun. pack for Linux that you can install, and it becomes a language. Okay. Linux. Pretend you didn't say that. Um, I'm sure that's helpful to, like, two of our listeners. Good what? job. Max. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, Linux is becoming easier to use and install. We're gonna, gonna It's taking you. over. I don't think so. So, okay. So you can, um, for Mac... Let the record reflect. For Mac, the shortcut to do emojis is uh, command control spacebar. Command control spacebar? Oh, you have to be in the, the thing. The thing? So click, the, click in the click text field. Something. Hold on. To click in the text field, I'm going to take my mic over and watch. Wow, you're slow. Control, command, Oh, wow, look at that. Oh, no, maybe it's... Is this in like the new OS update that Rod hates? Yeah, did you not update your... Yeah. It's there. No, you no, see it's it? Right there. It's right oh, there. Oh, right I'm blind. Up. Yeah, yeah it's right okay. Anyway, there it is. Okay. And it's got uh, your frequently used ones, smileys control, and people. Command spacebar. But that's actually not that efficient. Like if you're no, on a full typing not. keyboard, you should be able to type a shortcut. I'm gonna yeah. see if it works so, on Chromebook. What is it? Control command spacebook? Space <laughs> 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 I'm not gonna live that one down. Oh, that's I fantastic. Can Hit the spacebook bar. <laughs> command space. I'm gonna I'm gonna use all Spacebook.com. Uh, spacebook. <laughs> Control. Good. I'm on a Chromebook, so right. I'm trying so to this, see if it works. This guy. Control. Uh, oh gosh, it's on his blog. That's not an easy. We're gonna have to link to this in the show notes. All right. So what it's did he do to Jill solve how difficult it was to hit three keys at once? <laughs> Are you completely missing the power of shortcuts? No, no, I like desktop. It is a shortcut. It's just no, a no. long shortcut. How about a how about a shortcut directly to the high five emoji or directly to 100 points so on what, your you test have to memorize score a emoji code for it or what? How does it work? Okay, you Tell obviously me. don't use emojis enough to do, not yeah, see no. the value of this. No, I do. I'm just trying uh, to understand what he did to, to make it. Like, okay, so you, you, you start typing colon, right? Oh, so, so, emojis, you, so it's like you actually the start typing, ones? Yes, or 
um, you can do you can start searching it, uh, which you can do in this the shortcut thing too. But anyway, okay. he's hope he's kind of like just trying to spur on innovation. Uh, it's a add-on pack for Alfred, which Alfred is a replacement for your regular <laughs> search tool. And we're down the rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, so, I'm anyway, lost. So okay. on a Mac, this works on a Mac. So, so on we Mac, PC do, users were just excluded from this. Okay, so command, yes, absolutely. But that's fine. Command space bar. It's uh, fine, says Joe. Pulls up a window, and you can start typing in. You can search your entire computer on Mac. Open up apps, whatever. Mac OS represents like less than twenty percent of all computers in the world, and it's okay. Uh, the twenty percent of people that it's just I the twenty percent important love. ones. Hey, thank you. <laughs> yeah, the twenty percent who've seen the light. Jeez. Okay, so what you do? Uh, anyway, Alfred is a special pack that hi- basically hijacks. Um, your whole search function on your computer it does some pretty cool stuff. And you can also add on this add-on pack, which is called the Emoji, the Alfred Emoji Pack. And where does it send the data? That's what I want to know. If it hijacks your keyboard or your search function, I mean, where does it send the data? The search data? Yeah. The, it's a, it's a, you're, you're looking at it to search I know. the he's a, he's database the on, your company, on your computer. A company made a free thing that you can download and install. They're going to collect this data. And he always sees the worst in everyone. You hey, know? look, no, 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 no. No, but he's, they it's have a, to have a purpose to here's it. Here's the thing. It's a desktop. It's not a web app. I know, but... It's a desktop. But I, I look, don't think if they're you're, collecting the data. If you have a free product, you are the product. No, Alfred is not a free product. Oh, you pay money for it? The pack, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I forget part. what the, the price is. The, the pack is free to install for the emojis. But you have to have Alfred for it to work? Yes. And Alfred costs something. So... Yes. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't have this installed yet, but I'm. I'm. Because um, you're not an Alfred customer. No, I have not been. But this is. Uh, this does make a strong case for trying out Alfred. <laughs> so anyway, I my hope is that when they release the next update, which they will later on this year uh, for Mac, that they'll actually incorporate some actually emoji autocomplete would be ideal. You guys know how Slack does it. I have love you ever Slack. Type a, a colon in yeah. Slack, and then it's, it, it's true. It it's uh, cool. does autocomplete. Yeah. So, um. Anyway. Those are my tools. Okay. Great. All right. Well, helpful I, for Mac users, not helpful for everyone else. Sorry. I found that there is a um, an emoji keyboard already built into the Chromebook, and so uh, all I have to do is click it, and then, look. There are all my Google emoji right there. Oh, pops up on the touch screen. That's cool. Yep. What did you? What all did you have to do to get there? I just have to enable the on-screen keyboard which was an option in the settings that I didn't know about until just now. Okay. And so you just enable it, and then it becomes a button you click, mm. and up it pops. Uh, this will be important because more <sighs> Chromebooks are becoming uh, uh, are being released that are touchscreens. So mine's not, but... Yay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Wow, crazy show today. Very different. It really was. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, I hope we made you think and probably ticked you off in one or two places. Oh, undoubtedly. Maybe more. <laughs> <laughs> If hey, you, that's okay. If, call, you, if you if you think differently, call us out. Yeah, I, I, I also I also feel like you know because because we we tend to talk about millennials as though they're another group, even though you are one. We talk about you guys as if they're you guys instead of you know. We also don't care for labels or titles. So. Yeah, I know we don't usually, but somehow we do in this thing. I don't know why. Wait, millennials? Oh, you? I thought you were talking about us. Like, oh. On this show, we don't tend to like labels. Oh no, I was saying millennials. Oh. Sometimes labels work. So. Um, but what I was going to say is if you feel like uh, we missed something important here, please uh, holla at us. And you can do that on Twitter at, at, at GTD show. show. You can email us. The email address is show at growthedream.com. 
You can find my esteemed colleagues, Josh the Millennial Muccio, on Twitter at uh, Josh Muccio, M-U-C-C-I-O. And on Snapchat. Oh, yeah. What's your Snapchat? How do we do Snapchat? So Snapchat, you can't change your username once you set it up? Uh Oh, Oh, boy. What's your Snapchat (laughs) username? I thought it would be cool to say my last name, spell it out phonetically. Oh, okay. So it's Moo, like think the cow, M-O-O-C-H-E-O. Oh, E-O. Mooch E-O, because that was before you went to Italy. Yeah. And learned it's actually Moot. Joe. Uh, that over that overcomplicates Mooch things. Ego. But, but 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 the cool thing is <laughs> if you search in uh Snapchat since my name is actually spelled correctly in my real name. We can find you by name? Yeah, you can find me by name oh, at uh, Josh Muccio. Okay. All right, you can find Rod Thompson on Twitter. He's Rod underscore Thompson. There's no P in Thompson, and there is no Snapchat address for Rod Thompson. <laughs> actually there might be. I just don't know what it is. Oh, did your kid steal your phone and put it on there? Yeah, no, I have it on there. Oh, you did? Okay. I, I had it on there so I could look at the funny faces that are made on I still want to see. I haven't looked every day. Because <laughs> I am still a kid at heart. I still want to see if there's going to be a Chewbacca mask. I think that would be the coolest Snapchat filter ever. If uh, oh, it's gotta Coles be. did oh, that, it. that would be so be. great. And if you would like to reach out to uh, David Johnson, you can reach him on Twitter at the David Johnson. And you know don't what? Don't say it. I actually don't remember <laughs> what my Snapchat username is at the moment. I don't remember what. Oh, I, that's rough. I'll have to look it up. But um, the best thing to do is just to use the little QR code anyway, right? So Sure. All right. It's been fun. It's been real. I don't know if it's been real fun. <laughs> As for us. But anyway, we uh, we do. Hey, guys, next week we have a guest I'm excited about. That's going to be a fun show. Oh, yeah. That will be a real good Yeah, one. It is going to uh, ratchet up your leadership skills to the next level. It's going to be a really good show. Mm-hmm. Yep, looking forward to it. Yep. See you then. Thanks for listening to the Grow the Dream Show. We invite you to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Get connected to our growing community, add your comments, ask questions, and listen to the archives on the web at growthedream.com slash show.